Steve, you're wearing your traditional podcast outfit. Is this your? I love the orange. It's the Celtic should Rangers, we, baby. Should we change the podcast colors to orange? Is, is orange and blue. One? Orange and blue. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Florida, then Florida might have something to say about it. You know, I don't know. Anna's least favorite color is orange, so she might. I feel be like it just allows me to be a little less. You know, I don't wear I don't wear Penn State blue and white. In case you know, I need to say something. Oh else, yeah, you, you know? need to be. It's the old, you, it's the old, it's the old guy journalist in me. There you go. All right. Um, this is the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. With Steve. Steve, here's my first question for you. Have you joined threads yet? I have not. Will you thought join about threads? it briefly? No, it's just one more thing to do, right? Like okay. All right. Yeah. I know you have. Congratulations. Does Thank it feel you. different? How how much how no, it's 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 I hate it. It's worse. Oh, well, it's, then there it's, you go. It's somehow worse. It's then both no. better and worse. It's better no. that Elon Musk doesn't own it and worse that it's not I can't Twitter. DM people, right? There's no chronological feed. I can't see who I'm following. Like I can't see their posts first. It's it's no, annoying. No, no, no. We'll wait. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Okay. Um. Anyways, we've got a great show tonight. Tonight, I don't know what time it is. Um, we're joined by a very special guest, guest Tyler Calvaruso of Lions Two Four Seven. Stop by to chat about all things <laughs> recruiting, all things Penn State message boards. It was a very interesting, fun, energetic conversation. Um, so go ahead and listen to that. Uh, and then we will uh, get to the rest of the show after the interview. So take a listen and uh, yeah, enjoy. Steve, we are we are get joined by one of the hardest working guests I think we've ever seen. This guy, he's constantly updating the message boards with all of his tidbits and, and facts. Tyler Cal- Calvaruso joins us from Lions 247. Tyler, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you guys having me on, and I definitely appreciate the compliments, man. You know, it, it's a grind, but we do what we got to do to keep you all Penn State fans updated on the latest. Well, let's let's start there. Um, that is, I think, the nature of of the message board beast is it is a grind. Whether you're a fan trying to weed through and find and determine what's fact from fiction and and all of that, but for you. Why go towards the message board side and why go really towards the recruiting side of, of this business? Yeah, so going back to when I was in high school, I actually had a, a subscription, a 24-7 sports. It was the all-access VIP subscription, and I had access to every site on the network. I was just really into recruiting. Me and my friends were really into recruiting because we played football. So, you know, it was something that we kept an eye on. I remember uh, – Jerry, whenever we'd have study hall, we would go on 24-7. We'd look at the rankings. We'd look to see what some of these kids were doing. So that's where the interest in the recruiting side of things for me really started. And then, you know, just as I went on, it, it just felt like it was something that was natural to me, you know, covering recruits, you know, connecting with kids, generating these relationships with them, and, you know, just covering them really start to finish. And at one point while I was, I believe I was a sophomore at Seton Hall University, I reached out to the publisher of the Boston College 24-7 sports site, really just on a whim. You know, I uh, I had no prior connection to Boston College or anything like that. I think the most I knew about the Boston College football program up until that point was maybe I watched a quarter or two of Boston College Notre Dame when Matt Ryan was the quarterback, and that was back in like what? 2007 so you know really not a whole lot but I wanted to see if they were looking for a writer as I was you know looking to break in and get my foot in the door publisher wound up hitting me back and he was looking for some help and really we just went on from there you know I did a lot of other stuff as well I covered Seattle University basketball beat for a while I covered the New York Jets for a while and I also uh, oversaw the uh, USA Today high school sports site where I was responsible for a lot of recruiting content and uh, the national top 25 rankings for football and basketball as well. So I've, uh, I've been around the block in terms of, you know, trying different things in the industry, but recruiting, I've just really always had a passion and a fire for that. And I kind of stuck with it and it led me to where I am now. And so let's talk about where you are now versus where you were. Yeah. How are Penn State fans and Penn State message board members different than maybe you know the boston colleges of the world you know and how is how does that make your change and impact your job 
you know, I mean, the passion of the fan base definitely stands out. It's it's unlike anything I'd ever been a part of previously. And that's not a select to Boston College fan, because that's a, that's definitely a very passionate group as well. But it's more of a, a select group because it's a pro sports market. And, you know, there's a lot of focus on the Patriots, the Bruins, the Celtics, the Red Sox, all that kind of stuff. So the college sports programs in the area kind of fall by the wayside. And, you know, Boston College, they haven't had a ton of recent success. So that plays into it as well. I mean, man, Penn State fans, they're locked in on a daily basis, you know, 24-7, 360. There is never a day where the fan base is not looking for new information, not interested in learning more about the program or what's going on in the recruiting trail. So, and I love it, man. I love that passion. It, uh, it keeps me motivated and keeps me driven to provide, you know, the best content possible and really just continue that upkeep of information for our subscribers. I think that's a really important thing. You know, they trust us to provide them with the information that they're craving and we look to provide that on a daily basis. Is there is there content that you know is going to? Re- I mean, if people are that interested all the time, is there content you know is always going to resonate, or are there, are there stuff that you throw up there and you think oh, I don't know if people are going to pay attention to? It? I mean, or is it like what kind of things do you know are going to work, and are there other things you're going to, might be surprised about, or are there no surprises with the fan base that's, that's interested? That's a really great question, man. Because there are definitely some pieces that you know do better than others. I think you know the uh, I think a lot of the Penn State fans, specifically you know on the lines twenty four seven they're looking for that recruiting fix. You know, they want that intel. They want to know what's going on behind the scenes. They want that latest buzz. So our recruiting stuff does really, really well. And, you know, obviously that's my focus, given what my role is. So I just think any information that I can provide on a daily basis, really, whether it be an article, a post on the message board, a post in one of our many threads on the message board, I think all that it always plays really well. I don't think there's ever really a bad time for that kind of stuff. When you start doing free pieces, you know, you take a look back at prior recruiting classes, how things how panned out, you know, just, you know, kind of more exploratory pieces like that. You're never quite sure how they're going to be received because, you know, it's just, it's a different kind of content that I'm publishing, but I've never really had an issue on any side. You know, I think, uh, I just think the Penn State fan base being what it is, and its constant passion and the desire that it has to read about the program and just learn about more about the program in any way it can. I feel like all of our stuff really hits home for the fan base. And that's something that I really like about this job. You know, I never feel like anything that I'm writing is falling on deaf ears or any of that nature. I feel like it's all read and registered. And then, you know, the best part about the message board industry is we get feedback, we get direct comments, and we get to engage in discussion with our subscribers. That's my favorite part of it. You know, I'm a people, I like to think of myself as a people person, at least. So I like engaging with our guys for sure. When one of the, the key differentiators between any, any Penn State site or source for you guys is the fact that you provide that inside intel of, of recruiting. How do you build those relationships so that you can get that inside that intel to share? And how does that process work for you as a, as a writer? You know, trust is the most important thing. You got to just build up relationships with people in the know and they need to trust that, you know, you're going to report their information the correct way. You know, you're not going to take any unnecessary liberties. You're not going to cross any lines and you're going to convey the information in a way that is respectful to all parties. And I think the biggest part of that, at least for me, this is the approach that I've always taken is when we're dealing with high school prospects and high school recruits, you know, you never really want to paint these kids in a negative light. You always want to try to make them look as good as possible because at the end of the day, I mean, they're teenagers they're navigating a really difficult process for themselves. You know, there, there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes in every recruitment, right? And, you know, sometimes that makes certain recruitments more interesting than others in terms of outcome and just how a recruitment goes from point A to point B in terms of a commitment or a decommitment or anything like that. So I think representing, you know, the people that you trust or they, that people who trust you to give information, I think, you know, representing them is definitely a pretty big deal because you can't, you know, this is one of those industries where you don't want to burn bridges. You know, it's one of those things where you got to be able to maintain trust with the people you talk to. I feel like for me, that's definitely the biggest thing. There's so many bridges, right? There's parents, there's coaches, there's the kids. What have you learned the most through the years about trying to balance all those different parties, right? And, And know who to get information from or who to trust when someone's telling you something. You know, it's interesting because you got to approach it from all angles, right? You know, you can't just take from one source and ignore the others when you're coming or recruiting because there are different angles to everything. You know, you take too much from a coaching staff 
and you kind of, you know, the picture gets skewed a little bit because you got to talk to the parents, you got to talk to the coaches, you got to talk to the trainers, and most importantly, you got to talk to the kid because that's a direct source. He's the one who knows what's going on more than anyone else. So you got to give all parties a fair shake. So every time I cover a recruitment, I like to make sure I cover all of my bases pretty evenly. You know, you talk to the college coaching staffs around the nation, you talk to the recruit, you talk to his parents, you talk to his high school coaches, his trainers, anyone you could really get a hold of to generate a good idea of the big picture of that kid's process and, you know, where things might be heading with him. And, you know, in terms of maintaining those relationships and that respect and that trust, you know, it might sound cliche, but I really feel like you just got to be as transparent as you can be and you got to be yourself. You know, you got to open yourself up to people and let them know that you're in this process with them and that you can be trusted with some pretty delicate things. And, you know, not everything that you were told throughout the course of a recruitment that you cover is for public consumption. You know, there are some things that go on behind the scene that you were entrusted to keep you know, to yourself. And that's a big part of it as well. If you show people that you can be trusted in that way, it goes a long way in helping you advance in this industry. What, I'm not going to ask you to divulge your sources or anything like that, certainly, but what maybe percentage or, or number of, of your conversations are with high school commits or high, future high school commits, their, their coaches, or maybe somebody that works inside the Penn State or maybe other programs? I genuinely do. I genuinely do try to keep it even just because I like to, you know, get that big picture view of a recruitment. Because like I said, you know, if you spend one time, just so much time talking to one source and kind of not necessarily ignoring the others, but, you know, not placing as much emphasis on them or not, you know, taking their information into account as much as another source, I think you kind of lose sight of what's really going on because there are always multiple angles, you know, especially in recruiting men with multiple schools always being involved. There's only so much that one party might be aware of, right? So, you know, you, you're always going to have to go to multiple sources. So, I mean, obviously the college coaches at the end of the day, you know, they're very valuable and we, we appreciate, you know, their willingness to share anything with us whenever they're willing, you know, that's definitely uh, a valuable tool. The high school coaches as well. I've dealt with so many great high school coaches early in my career. And there's so many guys out there who are willing to help you, you know, do your job at the highest level. And I'm, I love working with those guys too, because it kind of goes hand in hand because they're, you always come across high schools where, yeah, you're covering one recruitment, but then you kind of, you know, see another kid during a workout, you unearth his potential. And then you start to realize you know, there's a lot more than just that one recruitment going on at that school. That's one of my favorite parts about this gig, man, you know, kind of not necessarily find those hidden gems, but, you know, stumbling upon kids who are early in their process, developing a relationship with them and really just seeing how their recruitment plays out from start to finish. That's one thing that I really enjoy. And then of course, with the recruits themselves, you know, you need to make yourself available to them, you know, at the end of the day, you get just you just got to be got to be on the same page as them, right? You know, you got to be reporting things that they're comfortable with. So it, I definitely all three sources are different, but they're all appreciated in different ways for sure. You're serving fans. You're you're dealing with all those constituencies. Who are you competing with? At the end of the day, I mean, it's just the other outlets in the industry. You know, on three, the newer one in the industry, they do a really great job. Rivals, I mean, Rivals has been around forever, right? You know, they're good at what they do. ESPN, they might not have a message board setting, but they have their rankings, so they're in it as well. So, and that competition that you just mentioned, yeah, that's another thing. I talk about the dedication and passion of the, of the uh, Penn State fan base keeping you going. You know, we have a lot of really, really great writers and insiders on this Penn State beat. So, you know, it's always, you, it's definitely always competitive. You know, there's a lot of respect between everyone on the beat, but it's competitive. So it keeps you going and it keeps you wanting to put out the best product possible because at the end of the day, you know, you got to show that your product is on par with the other companies and with the rest of your competition. But yeah, those are the main ones in the industry, probably at this point on three and rivals more so than ESPN. We know, we know that the Penn State beat, we've had other beat writers on, they've, they've kind of emphasized this. We know it's a tight beat in terms of helping and supporting each other. Is there that help and support or with maybe an on three side, like, hey, we, we might have heard this is going on or is it is it all Lions 247 is siloed here and on threes over there? You know, I think definitely uh, everyone has their own sources. You know, and there, there are a lot of people you could talk to throughout the course of recruitment, whether it be at Penn State or outside of Penn State with the high school coaches and the trainers and all, all the, uh, you know, the previous outlets that I talked about. So, you know, we have our information. They have their information. But the, I'll tell you what, man, guys at On3 and Rivals, they're a great group of guys. I remember uh, when I first joined Lions 24-7, came over from the Boston College side. I mean, I was welcomed with open arms by everyone. That's uh, that's something that I'll never really forget, and that's something that I'll always 
was always appreciate on the beat because I joined up when I was still 23 years old, you know, really just still learning the industry. I'm still learning the industry to this day. You know, there's no such thing as as a finished product, in my opinion. There are always lessons to be learned. And just the way that I was greeted by so many people on the beat. And it was like I'd been with those guys and those women for years. So that that was something I was always really appreciative of on this beat. And it's something I'm definitely going to continue to appreciate. When one of the most interesting aspects to what you do slash the whole industry of, of recruiting to me is the crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Can you explain how the crystal ball works from your side and kind of how that process happens and, and you know, your confidence level and, and what that means and, and things like that and how, and also how do you balance not ruining a kid's moment because you're, you know, that is part of the kid's moment of putting the cap on or holding up the dog or whatever the, the you know, however they want to announce their commitment. This is a really good question. It's one that I get asked on the board pretty often. I'm sure, you know, you've seen that. And I've, I've explained my crystal ball philosophy a bunch of times, but uh, I think it's uh, so the crystal ball, just for those who aren't familiar with the tool in general, you know, it's a predictive tool for where the recruit might end up at the end of the day. And it, it's fluid. We always say recruiting is fluid. And for me, I don't use the crystal ball like some other analysts do at our network. I think uh, while some are more, you know, they use it as more of a true predictive tool and use it to indicate where things are trending early in the process. You know, so I, me personally, I like to wait till things are a little bit more concrete. And my reasoning for that is, yeah, I could put in an early crystal ball pick for a recruit and, you know, predict where they're going. And we get that content and it's great, but you know, there's so many things that change throughout the course of recruitment. If I put a pick in and things ultimately go a different direction, you know, if I put that pick in prematurely, I gave Penn State fans false hope that kid might be going to Penn State when, you know, Penn State might stop recruiting the kid at some point, right? You know, the way I do the crystal ball picks, I kind of wait until we know the recruit is trending towards deciding. And I have good intel from multiple sources about where the recruit might be leaning. That's just my personal approach to the crystal ball. I know everyone does things differently. And I got a lot of respect for really anyone who goes about using the crystal ball because it's uh, predicting where recruits is going to land. It's not a, it's not simple practice. You know, it's tough, man. In terms of confidence level, this is another, this is a relatively newer feature for us because when I first started at 24 seven, we didn't have the confidence level. Obviously now we do. I believe that's maybe a couple years old now. I think I don't put a pick in unless I feel my confidence level in my predictions at a six or seven. There are a couple of instances where I've, done a prediction for a five but that's either when a recruit who I crystal ball elsewhere you know when he commits to a school then he backs off and I'm not maybe if, if it's a non-Penn State related recruitment of course you no know, maybe I'm not as in tune with where he might be leaning as I previously was when I was more you know in locked in with that recruitment I'll put a crystal ball picking at a five in those situations but when it comes to a recruitment you know that Penn State is involved in I uh, I try to make sure the intel and the information that we get is out as concrete as possible before going to crystal ball with a pick and it's usually either a six or a seven and then just the last part of that question you know with not ruining a kid's moment that's a really 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 big thing in the industry it's something that i always make sure doesn't happen because you always want these kids to have their moment you know this especially for the high school recruits man i mean this is the biggest moment of their football careers to that point when they announce that commitment that's a really really big deal for them and there have been instances where recruits have straight up asked us not to put in crystal ball picks and we respect that 100 of the time that, that that is something that you know we don't mess around with we definitely respect kids wishes all the time on that because some just they want that announcement to themselves they don't want any predictions and they really just want to announce on their own terms and not have any you know sort of prediction on where they're going to go so every recruit's different every recruit handles it differently in terms of what they want and don't want with that but uh you know and never that's one thing that's never going to happen on mine man definitely never going to ruin a kid's moment that's just something that I, I don't like seeing stuff like that when it does happen Along with all the other variables, I mean, it's only been a year and a half or so. How much has NIL changed? What what you have to be aware of, who you have to talk to, other places you're listening for information from? Has it how has it affected what you do? It definitely has. You know, it's a new element in every recruitment that we cover because, you know, some kids emphasize NIL more than others. The one thing I will say, and I, this is maybe kind of caught me by surprise a little bit, that. You know, recruits, when you talk to them, you'll be surprised about how little they care about NIL. It's definitely a factor in their recruitment. Don't get me wrong, but they have a lot of other things on their mind. Relationships with coaches, you know, how much they trust the coaches, just 
development plans, you know, the plans to get to the NFL. Because for a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys, especially the elite recruits, they view it as, all right, look, I might be able to make this NIL money now. That's great. But my real NIL money is going to come when I make it to the league, when I develop and get to that next level. I want a staff that can get me to that point. So that's something that definitely is NIL is not emphasized over that by any recruit i think i think uh development relationships and trust it, it trumps an il but you know for some guys it, it definitely is a sticking point in the recruitment and you know we're aware we're well aware when those recruitments are the case and we have to cover them differently because the nil the recruitments where nil is a big emphasis you know it's one where it's probably one of the more fluid ones and there are a lot of things going on each time the recruit makes a visit so those are the ones you really really got to stay in tune with you got to stay in tune with every recruitment obviously but when you know and NIL is a big deal. You got to take a look at every visit, every program involved, and you got to be aware of what that program is able to offer on the NIL front and how that offer stacks up to the other programs involved in the recruitment. How does that differ from a transfer portal kid? I guess you, you do they look more at the the NIL or are they still counting on that NFL check? You know, I think um Again, I really think it's dependent on the recruit. I always used to say back when I was covering, you know, Seton Hall basketball, because obviously Seton Hall didn't have football, so basketball was the primary beat. One of the reasons why a program like Seton Hall was so successful in the transfer portal was because it could sell the pro aspect and it could, you know, sell the developmental aspect. Now, I mean, when it comes to NIL and the transfer portal, I think some guys, some guys definitely do emphasize it more than development and getting to the NBA because some some know that the next level maybe necessarily is not in play for them, right? And this is their opportunity to cash in however they can. And I think there are definitely other guys who know that the next level is in play for them and they want to be surrounded by a staff and just a support staff that is in the best position to get them to that next level and really have the pro contract be the payday that they're actually looking for. So again, I like this. It's, I definitely think that it's dependent on the recruit because at the end of the day, everyone's got different priorities. I don't think you could really group anyone together. I think every kid in every camp has different priorities. You mentioned basketball and I, I do see your name occasionally on some basketball recruiting stuff. Mm -hmm. um, is that your bread and butter? Is that your, your, comfort blanket so to speak or do you like challenge yourself into the basketball space while you're in a football mind at this point you know i'm definitely in a football mind i think the days of basketball being my bread and butter are long gone because at the end of the day i love covering penn state basketball recruiting because it's something different and uh i think you know the excitement that the new staff has generated that's always fun to dive into what they're doing on the recruiting show because it's definitely a different um Different emphasis in terms of talent by this new staff. You know, they're looking for some different traits than Micah Shrewsbury and his staff were looking for. But at the end of the day, you're covering Penn State, man. Football pays the bills, right? You know, I mean, it's just that, that's the fact of it. So I'm all in on football recruiting at all times. I talk about 24-7, 365. Football recruiting is 24-7-365. Basketball recruiting is different in that sense because, you know, you got the live periods and you got your evaluation periods. And there are times where there's nothing going on. And obviously the classes are smaller because there aren't as many scholarship spots. But I've been so, you know, like I said, when I was doing Seton Hall, my focus had to be there. In Boston College, my focus was more on football. Penn State, my focus is definitely more on football. And I don't even think it's really close. But the basketball recruiting content is something that we, you know, we view it as important because there is a taste for it. You know, it, it, Penn State is a football first school, but at the end, there's definitely a big contingent of basketball fans within the alumni base as well. So we know it's something our subscribers like, and it's something that we look to bring to the table. How many you phone did? numbers are in your phone? Oh, God, you don't even want to know, man. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Does uh... – is it, do you have a company phone or is it? Is it? I don't. I'm my own phone. Okay. Here, you know what? I'm gonna go with my top contact right now. And I'm gonna tell Does you. It say? Does it say? It, I have to scroll all the way to the bottom, but oh I think. My God. And you got to keep in mind that I, I kind of, you know, I clear some stuff out sometimes. But. <laughs> um, in the meantime, let me ask you. Let me ask you this yeah. question. Um, you mentioned this is a 24/7, 365 gig. Mm -hmm. What is the weirdest place or or oddest place or oddest time you have filed a story? I've had to pull over on the side of the highway to get file a story before. <laughs> Multiple times, actually. Kid is, kid is committed and yeah, you're driving down that, the road. That, that's thing. exactly what it is. And you know, the good thing about recruits is a lot of them will communicate to you when they plan on committing. So like, you, you know to be around at that time. But sometimes, uh, you know, kids pop and you're not around. But you have a story written. So at least it's saved on the back end. I just got to pull over, go on my phone, get the story published. So uh, I, I definitely had to pull over on the highway 
Uh, a couple of times. I remember one time I had to uh, file a story during a men's softball league game. Actually, that was a uh, that was Carmel that was Carmelo Taylor's commitment. I was um I just got to the field to play my men's softball league, and we found out Carmelo Taylor was committed. So that was the first thing I did when I got to that game. I filed the Carmelo Taylor story. And by the way, the number on my contacts is eight hundred ninety-two. That is insane. That is insane. Um, did you have to come off the bench for the softball game, or did you still make the starting lineup? No, man, I got there a half hour early, so I was good. <laughs> okay. Um, let me ask you this: this question. This might be it for me. Then, why in, in sports media has has changed so much mm-hmm. over the last 20, 30 years, really, with the invention of the internet? But yet, the message board remains so strong in college athletics. Why do you think that is? You know, I think uh, I think there's a family element of it. You know, I feel like it's a place where a lot of people go. You know, we talk about sports being an escape from reality of sorts and a place where people can go to, you know, get away from the grind of their daily lives and kind of focus on something else and get some enjoyment out of that. I think the message board plays a big part in that because, you know, you feel like you're part of something, right? You don't feel like you're just a Penn State fan online 24-7. You feel like you're part of a community of diehard fans. And, you know, you you get on the board every day, you get to talk ball with them, you get to talk about anything with them, really. You know, we got threads that go beyond just Penn State football and basketball. Anything is up for discussion on our board. And, you know, sometimes a lot of people are passionate. So sometimes the uh, – there are debates and arguments that get, you know, kind of heated. But at the end of the day, I think it's all love. You know, I think uh, I think everyone really, I mean, is just uniting for the same passion. And I think that's a big reason why the message board community just in the industry has remained so prominent because you get that sense of community, you get that feeling of family. And I think uh, that's something that, you know, you go on a Bleacher Report or some other site like that, you know, I feel like you just don't get that same sense. It's just different. What 24-7 does is different. What On3 is different. What Rivals does is different. And the message board aspect of it is a very big reason why it's different than the rest of the industry and why it has staying power. There's families just like every other, right? You got sane people, you got crazy uncles, you got a little (laughs) bit of everything. You do. (laughs) But but again, like I I love all of it because at the end of the day, you know, if we were on the message board, right, and everyone was singing the same song and everyone had the same ideas and agreed on everything, it, it wouldn't be fun. It, it would just it would just be you know the same thing being said different ways so i, I enjoy you know the, the debate and the disagreements as, and everyone does a good job of you know keeping it respectful the best they can and not crossing any of those lines that's the big thing you know as, as you can have the debates all you want as long as you keep it respectful and you know just understand that we're talking about college football and college basketball you know at the end of the day it is what it is and you know what's going to be is going to be but i love the disagreements and debates that we have on the board i think it's a it's a big reason what makes working every day so fun because you have something to discuss you know you're not just saying the same thing over and over again and pumping sunshine and you know saying how great things are because at the end of the day sometimes things aren't great you know we've been through plenty of those stretches where you know recruitments haven't gone penn state's way and things on the field haven't gone penn state's way so you just gotta you gotta play those ebbs and flows for how they are right you gotta be honest about the way things are going Thanks. Told you, Steve. You have anything else? No, that's it. It was great stuff. Thank you. Yeah, Tyler. What? What can you? What do you want to plug? This is your your moment to shine. Even though this was an interview with you. (laughs) No, I definitely uh, encourage any Penn State fan listening to uh, check out Lions Twenty Four Seven. You know, we have a lot of uh, a lot of high end content coming, VIP content coming. You know, July is a slower month than June, that's for sure. But we've still got a lot on the docket. There's a lot going on on the recruiting front. You know, you got Lash Bash coming up at the end of this month. So really, just stay tuned. Check out our site. Check out the Lions Twenty Four Seven podcast. Just keep supporting our work, man. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're not in the position that we're in without. Penn State fans, you know, we're not able to wake up every morning and do what we love without the support of Penn State fan base. So that's really all I got on that front. All right. Tyler, thank you so much for uh, hopping on, spending some time with us and uh, chatting about message boards. It's always fun. Yeah, man. I I appreciate you guys having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Steve, how many many contacts do you think you have in your phone? You have a lot. I bet you have a lot. Uh, Yeah, but (laughs) don't know how to check. Not 800. You don't know how to check. That is if, if I gotta just If there's going to be a number when I scroll about, oh, I, how many did he have? Eight, 800 something. 844, it says. Oh, I think you might. I, oh, oh, yeah. Well, you guys are lapping me. I only have 685 and I haven't talked to. And I've got some 600. cool names in there, but I don't know if the numbers oh. are still correct for like Bob Costas from six years ago. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, Ooh, who knows? Who knows? I know. Dropping names in the contact yeah, list. Yeah, that's, that's real one of the names. Um, I think 
to me, the, the main takeaway is Tyler is a very energetic guy and he has to have that energy to, to match with the constant ebbs and flows of, of, of his job. And I don't think that job is for everyone, but he does a great job at it. And I think the, the Penn state, both on three and lines two, four, seven, they do, that is, that is the lifeblood of true inside information. If you're looking for it, um, it's worth the money for me to spend however much it is. I spend a year on those, those two subscriptions. And I think, you know, he's committed, you know, whether it's pulling over the side of the road to do something or waiting to get to play and getting early and getting playing the softball game before he plays, he does his reports. Like that's, if you're someone who's subscribing to those services and wants that information, that's, that's the kind of person you want on the other end doing business for you in terms of getting you that information. So I think that's great. Certainly energy level, enthusiasm. You know, I think he, he might've gotten more words in in a half an hour than a couple of guests we've had in two segments combined in the past, right? Like just that energy and that excitement. So I think, I think that's great. And I think that is the right, feels like the right job for the right person. I also think the other thing that was interesting to me was the kind of hear slash confirm that his sources are on both sides of the table, so to speak. There's there's both external high school football coaches, because I think that's the obvious one, but there are internal sources for him and he's working those. Um, and I think that just kind of adds the value prop of, of, you know, why you pay to join something like that. Um, because I think, you know, in an era of 12,000 subscriptions, it, it can get it's you start to question do i really need this subscription do i really need that one and, and when you hear things like that i think that's a, a reassuring thing to readers um anything else that you want to note uh, on that interview I, I think just in conjunction with the inside sources i mean there's value to the football program at penn state to have sources on the outside with whom they share information with right whether you're you know whether how strong his are how strong somebody else is at one of the other services there's value in that for the football program so there's there, there's certainly invested in having those contacts as well i always thought about that i i I wonder i often wonder how how much time college football coaches spend on those types of services because i i i would have to think maybe not james franklin but i'm sure there's got to be somebody that's job is to sit and kind of look through the message boards and see what they're reporting just to make sure it's up to snuff and it's yep. the correct, you know, kind of correct information. Not that those guys are doing a bad job, but I'm thinking about all of these little stories where recruits have kind of tried to pull one on over people. And there've been times where recruits don't even exist and and yet they commit to a school, that type of thing. Um, so yeah, I, that's, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you also uh, were intrigued by that. Um, all right, Steve, here's what else we got on the show. We're gonna talk about Penn state baseball and some other Penn state news. Um, and then we're gonna talk about some more baseball. This is now a baseball podcast because there's nothing else to talk about in the middle of the summer. Um, middle of summer. yeah. Um, and then, um, this week's old guy, young guy, I let you pick. I'm, I'm terrified to steal your phrasing. Well, we'll figure it out. Cause I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be yet. So let's see All how right. it goes. He's going to, he's going to wing it folks. Um, okay. Um, Penn state now has its baseball coach. Last time we talked, they didn't have a baseball coach. Mike Gambino, uh, formerly of Boston College, uh, is coming to Happy Valley, or well, is already in Happy Valley, judging by all the social media pictures and posts and tweets and threads. Um, I am fascinated and approve of this hire. Here is why. I don't think that... I feel like that should come with a seal. Fascinated and approved by Darian. Stamped. Uh, I don't think Pat Kraft... Is just going through the motions to hire somebody that he used to employ. Like you don't, you don't hire somebody just because you're going to have them go through the motions. And I think this to me is maybe not the full signal, but at least one of the signals that Pat Kraft wants to make something good out of baseball. Um, did you have a chance to read Ben's article about the baseball program? I don't know. Ben Jones. Yeah, yep, yep. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, talking about the balance of, you know, making sure that you don't lose money on, on programs like that, but also try to make money on programs like that, but also kind of always trying to stay competitive. And I think that's the most interesting thing that feels a little bit different, whether maybe that's just the PR machine working a little bit better, but there's just this little bit different feel to Pat Craft than maybe Sandy Barber. 
maybe more so because he's being so upfront and honest and who knows maybe some of that just has to do with everything else that's going on with the, the Michael Shrewsbury situation maybe he wasn't as honest as he could have been and up front but even then he was still upfront and honest so um that to me feels like his mo and i think that's been what's more telling about this hire than maybe anything else that he's really done so far well yeah and i think in addition to the familiarity that was there that could have made this seem like an easy hire guy had just signed a contract extension in boston college right he didn't need right. to look for a job he wasn't trying to find something else so that there had to be something appealing about this for him from that side right um he's had success at bc that penn state would probably be happy to have so i th i think the side of it where the coach is interested for whatever reason and hopefully a reason where he wants to be competitive and successful obviously that's probably reassuring for the people who want the program to succeed i think looking here um if you look at his resume and everything he accomplished this is exactly what i want for penn state's baseball program i think they're not necessarily going to go compete for national titles, but they're competing. They are making somewhat of an impact on the, the, the national footprint um, to me. And I think that's, that's to me, the most important thing about, about what I'm reading and seeing um, and, and hoping here. Um, anything else you want to add about Penn State baseball there, Mr. Samsel? No, not ready to buy season tickets yet, but excited for them. Right. I mean, you know, they, season tickets are on sale either. Bucks. Right. They're not that expensive. Well, maybe they'll go up because they got to be. No, I, I think will, it's a, I think it's a really good hire. I think if I had a stamp, I'd use my stamp too. Okay, I will buy you if you want Penn State baseball season tickets that badly, Steve. I will probably buy you Penn State. I don't know. I just want to go to the pick game when when the pick game shows up from the schedule. That's the one I'll go to. So okay, all right. Um, moving on. Speaking of of Penn Staters, um, one Penn Stater making lots of people proud this weekend. Bo Nickel, uh, former NCAA champion and Mister world and all of those other titles um beat the crap out of some guy in 38 <laughs> seconds um i am not a, a ufc guy i don't i have never paid for a fight um i think but i think that bo nichols first title fight if we can get to that point which it's trending that way i will gladly pay speaking of other things i'll pay for i will pay for that fight to watch it because i i again i just enjoy when penn staters succeed i think it makes me happy um, do you think this is helping Penn State wrestling, Steve? That's my question. No, it's not hurting it. No, I think that, I, yes, I think that's a, yes, it is. Um, I think it's a testament more so to his personality. I mean, just who he is, right? I mean, they've just, they've had success. He just has a, a way of bringing people around, right? Just a way of, it's not so much a Pied Piper. It's not so much, he, he just seems like a good dude. Who who is well-meaning and fights hard and, and wrestled hard. And I think people appreciate that. And, and I think it, it resonates with the Penn State fan base. I think there's a lot of older Penn State fans. If you ask some Penn State fans 10 years ago, some hardcore Penn State wrestling fans 10 years ago, what they thought of, of mixed media, mixed martial arts and UFC stuff, they'd be like, oh, that's uh, crazy. I bet you there's been a lot of converts in the past year or so. And in the time before that, just because, oh, because it's of become a little rest was done. Yeah. I I think the most fascinating thing for me is there have been however many since I've been in college, you know, was in college, however many truly historic wrestlers at Penn State. Mm -hmm. And several of them have gone on to try this, this whole MMA slash UFC thing. None of them have really started to break through yet everybody's attention is on Bo Nickel. Everybody is looking after, looking for him. Um, and I think there were people that I guarantee you have no clue who Bo Nickel was in the same sense that we know Bo Nickel, but we're tweeting or threading or whatever they're doing these days about him all over my timeline, because people were like, Holy crap. He just beat the crap out of this dude in 38 seconds. He, I, we were chatting before you said he hasn't made it out of like he's made sure that nobody gets out of the first round. Is that what I think that's true? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he's five and, and, and zero now. Think, and yeah. what's different? What's different about the MMA stuff? I mean, you know, David Taylor's winning Olympic and world champions, right? So and, and deservedly for all that attention. I think the MMA stuff just happens on a bigger stage and with more regularity that people can get behind. 
you know, not that they don't get behind the wrestlers and there's great success there. I mean, the Penn State wrestling program successful on its own and successful because of alumni. But there's just something different about what Bo Nichols doing, I think, for some people. Again, I, I just, I, good for him. Like, genuinely good for him. And I like, will will definitely be paying attention slash paying in the future for that title fight. There you go. I'm sure it will last 30. That's the only downside of those things, right? Yeah. You get burned on those. If you pay for a a pay-per-view and it ends up lasting a minute, you're like, well, that was money well spent. Did you pay for like the Tyson fights back in the day? Did you pay for any of those? No, I had a friend who had HBO. We would go to her house, you know? Um, But yeah, it was going to be over. We we did two at her house and I, and I got somebody that I played old man baseball with five or six years ago, did the, uh, who's the loud guy from Ireland. Conor, Conor McGregor. McGregor. When Conor yeah. McGregor did the thing, the boxing match against um, uh, Mayweather. Floyd. Yeah, Floyd yeah. Mayweather. Like, he paid for that. And that was just awful. But at least it lasted forever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I don't usually, because I know on social media, I can find out really quickly if I want to find out. So. No, that's that's uh, that's funny. Um, all right. Moving on. Um, tonight, right now, is the Home Run Derby. For the and tomorrow, do you have it on your screen somewhere? Are you watching? I don't know. I'm 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 full attention on Steve Samsel. Steve, do you care? Do you plan to watch? I'm going to go downstairs and watch a little bit of it. Okay. Hopefully, if my wife will let me, um, I'm going to go downstairs. Oh wow! We just went from nice podcast to throwing the the wife under the bus well, in the I, middle of the podcast. That I did not set that up. I had nothing to do with. I'm that. just I'm saying we might. We've been watching the Marvel movies. That has been our our summer hobby. So we might be watching a Marvel movie tonight. But I will at least probably pull it up on my iPad and have it down on the the lower screen type thing. But wait, to be clear, you're gonna be watching the Marvel movie with your wife, but on a separate screen, be be sneaking in on the home under. I do it all the time. That's really not giving your full attention to the process. She's playing Candy Crush the whole time, so it's okay. That's fair. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Um, are you are you paying attention, Steve? Are you going to pay attention, or is the All Star Game lost all meaning for you? I feel like we have the same conversation every year. But... <laughs> yeah, because welcome to the old guy. No, I'm I'm I'll probably peek in on the All Star Game a little bit tomorrow night. Tonight, no, I don't know that I'm. I mean, no, no, no. It was it. I'm just lost. It, it it's lost me, unfortunately. The the home run derby has always been my preferential experience um not to mention the taco bell legends and celebrity softball game that's also my favorite part of all-star weekend but uh, um i feel like i feel like the the home run derby has actually become the main event of the whole Mm -hmm. weekend and i feel like this is a trend we're starting to see a little bit more with really all of the major sporting events of of these skill competitions are far more interesting I would much rather them expand that. They're never going to do this, but I'd much rather them expand that and have the home run derby contest. Have have you seen what the Korean baseball league does? Mm-mm. They have a bunting contest, so you 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 try to bunt it into a circle. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, just like who can maybe not throw the hardest, but who could throw a ball the farthest, or, or right. you know who can hit a certain target from the right yeah, field, or whatever from right field. That, that type of skill competition to me. That's interesting. That's what I want to see from from an All Star Weekend is these athletes doing the thing, being challenged to do the thing that they do the best in certain in different ways. Because that's really what the home run competition is: is who can hit the most home runs. Now they're throwing them at you know sixty five mile an hour, you know curveballs. They're real easy to hit, but um, I, I don't know. I I I still think. All-Star Weekend has a place in American sports. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's going to get better. I think it's just always going to kind of be this plateau. I am interested to see, let's say, because baseball feels like it's having a, a little bit of a renaissance right now, especially after they change the rules. I think mm-hmm. the attendance is up. Things are like that. I don't know if TV numbers are not, but I knew, do know attendance is up. Let's say five years from now, I'm I'm interested to see like maybe the All-Star game does return but this kind of goes back to our conversation last time we we chatted they still haven't found an effective way to market the, the all-stars it is impossible to watch Shohei Otani Adley Rushman who plays for the Orioles who I have I live in that market like I don't I have you seen him 
play baseball? Like he's probably the best younger, one of the better younger guys. The the dude, and I forget what his name is, but the dude playing for the Reds right now. Case of point, I forget what his name is, but they're there's just a better job of marketing that they can do with these athletes that I think that would go a long way for helping, helping return the all-star game to its, its glory days, if you will. Yeah. And they tried, you know, what, eight or 10 years ago now playing for something, right. Playing for home field in the world series because interdivision play had made playing for something meaningless, right. Cause it doesn't matter what league plays. Cause they even now, now more than ever teams are playing each other every night, of the, every night of the week during the season. You know, if there were some sort of stakes, that would be helpful, like just to make it feel like it was the exhibition had a competitive nature to it, um, more so than it does. Um, and, and I'm okay with the home run derby having become what it is. And I, it's it's a great event. It's a fun event. I just, you know, and again, it's part of it's the the dominoes falling of the of the pirates struggling through the years. You know, tangentially, my baseball interest hasn't been as strong because my team has sucked. Um, so I'm I'm happy for attendance being up at baseball. I'm, I'm all in favor of shorter games, um, just to, to make them to move a little faster and keep pe- people engaged. But there are challenges there in terms of it becoming bigger than it. I mean, it's just not going to get back to the numbers it ever was because the, the the media landscape is so fragmented. But there are areas and ways they could grow. I think. Um, Steve, can I throw a curveball at you? Right. Sure. Okay. Can't hit the curve, but give it a shot. I, this is this is a really this is a big curve um let me ask you this have you seen the in-season tournament set up for the nba i knew i know it's coming i don't know that that i saw the setup okay so they announced they rolled out the the this aspect of of the in-season tournament where uh essentially every team gets put into these groups and then they're gonna play uh essentially like a a champions league of Mm -hmm. nba basketball in the middle of the season does that get your attention more or does do an, does an all-star game get your attention more? That may be the first time, right? To see what, see what it does and see how people react, right? Because it's a chance for crappy teams to, to have a chance to do something different, to do something special. It spices up the season. So yeah, maybe more than an all-star game because I feel like I've seen the all-star game. I mean, I've seen what it, when we all thought, when the old people thought it was special, right? When the leagues were separate and it was competitive and, you know, Reggie Jackson is doing great stuff and you get Pete Rose beating up some poor guy at home plate, and all, you know, all the stuff, you know, the, the the Dave Parker throw, like all the things that you're supposed to know through the history of baseball about it. And then they try to fix it. No, I'd be intrigued. And I'm not an NBA guy, but I, I'm probably a little more intrigued in that tournament than I am in the baseball all-star game, just in some ways, because it's new and different. Something like that being a little more creative and new and different. I will maybe pay attention to it. Like I, you know me, I, I have watched maybe five nba games in my lifetime and that's that's a lot um that's a high number and and so that gets my attention uh, yes it does get my attention a little bit more um but again but the I, nhl I, has done some of this stuff right with their all-star game right they've gone with like three on three and done some a, things that are different that are that at least celebrate the skills of, of the athletes and allow them to shine in a different way which may be what's necessary for these kinds of events i i think that's why i am why people in general are struggling with the MLB all-star game is it's just not as fun because it's, it's not as fun. It's, it's still very regimented in the roles and, you know, the, the NBA, they added the, the Elam ending um, and the NHL, as you mentioned, and now the, the pro bowl is, is a flag football game. And it was one of the highest rated, you know, sporting events mm-hmm. of the year type thing. It's, it, it's really got people's attention. So um yeah, I mean, at this point, the Pro Bowl is just Matt, Pat Mac, the Pat McAfee show with a few more people playing playing football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's people talking smack, running back and forth, you know, and it works. And it was interesting. Okay. Um, where else are we on? Uh, that's relatively it, except for uh, old guy, young guy. What do you got? Oh, what do I have? I just had something, and it was halfway decent, and then I forgot it. That's why you write I'm old. down. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what it is. It's a okay. phone question. How old is too young, that's the right question, to be having your conversations on speakerphone? It feels like this is an old thing to me. Like my older people I know see I do this and I'm like, oh my God, please don't ever let me get to that point. In public or not in public? Like in like, like family Semi-public, coming family over. coming okay. around, whatever yeah. else. Like, 
unless you are doing something, as in chopping something for dinner or like do it is never acceptable or like driving like that's obviously well you shouldn't talk on your phone drive but like you know ours comes through the bluetooth in the car or whatever and the speakers that's acceptable that's acceptable but the second that you are just like sitting on the couch and you're talking and there's a couple other people maybe in the room no it's that's completely 100 percent unacceptable it is the same it, it applies to the same thing as People watching YouTube videos on on the DC Metro without headphones in, or listening to music without headphones in, it, it's it's the same same as are you? Have you? Oh, I agree. I agree. Now? We have we have a okay. couple of offenders, and I even called Susan on the other day. She was talking about not called like she was happening. I'm like, uh, you are not old enough for that to be happening. Please turn the speaker off and put it up to your ear. Like, sorry. I can understand. Like, if you're like again, if you're in the middle of doing something, it's fine. But also, like I don't know, not that they're like if if Anna calls me, right? Like even if I'm in the house alone, like I, the the privacy of a phone call, I I don't not that I don't, like the dogs are gonna like the dogs are gonna no, I just I just but but it happens. Like I'll see you know parents, older friends do it, like that kind of thing. I'm like oh that's no, don't let me get that old. So yeah, all right, yeah, no, I I'll. I'll Keep a keep a firm watch on that for you, Steve. <laughs> there you go. That was my old guy. Okay, that's good. All right. Um, let's see. It's probably be too late uh, once you listen to this podcast, but we do have a newsletter coming out. Uh, no, it won't be. If you listen on Tuesday, if you sign up on Tuesday, there's a good chance on Wednesday when I hit send on that newsletter, your email will be in it, but you have to sign up for the email, which is at uh, stuffsummersays.com backslash newsletter. Um, we've got a website which is stuffsummersays.com steve might be having something coming this week uh we well i, I think it might be a joint venture between steve and i again um and then we'll engage other people that to yeah. contribute theirs yeah. i hope i i would i we'll figure that out i'm excited about it steve's been hyping this one up um so we've got that coming on the website let's see what else do we have on the, the old docket we've got a youtube page somewhere in here um, thank you to Tyler for, for spending some time with us this evening to chat about his job. Um, my Twitter handle is at stuff summer says yours is at Steve Samsel. What about your thread? It's the same thing. I was just going <laughs> to, I was going to say, Steve, can't wait. You, that's why I got on there early. Cause I was like, ah, all those people are going to be like, Oh, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. No, I'm saying you gotta, somebody's going to steal at Steve Samsel. Um, other than that, five stars, thumbs up. Um, we will talk to you soon. Did I miss anything? Going once, twice. Great. See you. Bye.